But here we are. We're going to, through the next few moments, we're going to talk about 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 13 through 17. And, and here's my question leading into today. Have you ever gotten in trouble for something you didn't do? If you have siblings, it was probably their fault. They probably did it and you took the fall. But I'm not even limiting it to there. I'm wondering, have you ever gotten in trouble when you were doing the right thing? I mean, I remember back in elementary school, probably fourth or fifth grade, I don't know what was going on. I, I think a group of people, guys went to the bathroom and one guy usually got in trouble. His name was Eric. I've forgotten a lot of people's names from elementary school, but I've not forgotten Eric's. Eric was in trouble often, okay? And so somehow he was messing around in the bathroom again and I got back to the class or whatever. The teacher asked me about Eric. She didn't ask in front of anybody. No one knew that she asked me, but she said, is he messing around? I'm like, yeah. She goes, okay. She goes down to get some, and I think everything's okay, and we're lined up going to, to, um, to lunch, and, and uh, the teacher and Eric walk by as she's taking him to the principal's office for another journey there. But I'm standing on the stairwell, and everything's good, except as Eric walks by, for some reason, he thinks that I must be the person who got him in trouble. I, the teacher asked me, I couldn't lie, I had to tell the truth, and so I did. Well, as he walks by, he basically stiff arms me into the side of the head. Well, it's no big deal, because, you know, just like that, it would be all right. But the problem was, there's metal railing right here. And so my head, when he hit it, went dung into that. And so that's probably the first concussion I ever got. Not, not really, but it hurt. And here I was only doing something I knew was right, and I was suffering for doing what was right. And there's times in our lives where we're going to suffer for doing the right thing. We're going to do some things that are the right things, and, and we're going to suffer for them, and that's just the way it is. Undoubtedly, there have been times in your life when you have suffered for doing things right. You, you can think back, you can remember that you were doing the right thing only to suffer for doing it. Maybe at work, a coworker causes your project to be missed on a deadline and you get in trouble for it. It can happen in school world where you're working on a project with, with friends and they don't do their part and then you suffer for them not doing their part or you have to do extra work because they don't do their It happens. You're going to do what is right and you're going to suffer for it. And our reaction to that is what Peter is talking about. We're going to look at a portion of 1 Peter that contains some difficult instructions to put into practice. Not because the instructions are hard, but because when you really understand how we have to do them, they become hard. The previous two chapters dealt with, in the last four or five weeks that we've talked through the 1 Peter, we've dealt with things like... Uh, Submitting to the authorities around us, like governmental authorities in 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. We submit ourselves to government authorities. And there, there is a point where that stops. And I'm going to give you a ex perfect example because it's in the news this week. There's, a, there's an example that's happening in Russia. They just signed a law in Russia that basically eliminates evangelism. 
and sharing your faith. The law basically says under the law, all personal evangelism on the streets and in individual homes is now restricted. Evangelizing outside of registered churches will result in fines. Christians meeting in homes are not allowed to invite unbelievers. Okay, so what happens in this case in Russia? There are going to be some followers of Jesus who are going to do what the scriptures teach. And they're going to get in trouble. They're going to, they're, they are going to suffer for doing what is right. Just like you and I should if we're ever faced with those kinds of things in our country. We would have to ignore the government and do the work and the mission of Jesus and suffer for it. And know that that would be the case because, because God's mission and his plan supersedes the governmental authority. And that's just the way it is. Now those are very rare places. But I want to point that one out because that one happened this week. Putin signed that just this week. And next Peter addresses slaves submitting to masters and, and with respect in fact. And, and it goes on and talks about, you know, we apply that to work environments and, and how we need to respect those in authority over us even in those places when they're not worthy of respect. And how followers of Jesus should re react in the midst of that mistreatment. The next section deals with wives submitting to their husbands. Even husbands that are not followers of Jesus in hopes of seeing those husbands come to faith. The next session de section deals with husbands' responsibility to honor their wives. And if they don't, their prayers will be hindered. The final section of those places deal with how followers of Jesus should treat everyone. Not just fellow believers, but everyone in the community. The toughest part of that whole command and that portion of scripture is... That we're not to return evil with evil. And if it stopped there, it would be so much easier. But it doesn't. We're not just not to re repay evil with nothing. We're actually supposed to repay evil with blessing. And that's a very difficult thing for, for anyone to do. For, for myself to do, for anyone to do. It's very difficult when we are mistreated to bless those who mistreat us. But that is what the scriptures are teaching. And, and this continues on in that thought, and this continues and really kind of brings the, to finish what that teaching is all about. So the challenge for you this week is buy someone's lunch who's mistreated you. Bless someone who has done evil to you. And we'll talk about that some more because I don't think there's an exception here. I think this is actually what Jesus wants us to do. So we're going to read 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17, and it says this. Now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. So we look at 1 Peter 3.13. It says, now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? Well, it seems like an answer that, you know, no one would want to harm us if we're eager to do good. But the truth of that is we know that's not true. We know that people treat other people poorly. 
And, and, and sometimes it comes naturally for them, and oftentimes it does. And people treat other people poorly because that's just what they know to do. Peter throws this question out. And as we'll see, there doesn't seem to be protection from suffering for the follower of Jesus. I wish it was true. I wish that as followers of Jesus, we wouldn't see any suffering in our lives. But unfortunately, that is not the case. When you look around the world today, you see probably more persecution of Christians than in any other time in history. There, there are thousands upon thousands of people in prison camps in North Korea. Christians in prison camps in North Korea. The persecution of Christians around the world in Muslim countries is incredibly high. It's open season on followers of Jesus and values of those believers in America. We know that. So what does this passage mean? If, if, if Peter is saying, look, who would want to do that? It means for the most part, if we do good to people, they will treat us well. But there's no guarantee. He continues to write in verse 14, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Peter is instructing every follower of Jesus that even in the midst of suffering for doing right, God will reward you. As we've talked about earlier in, in the whole thing, even if you're mistreated, you are responsible to treat those who mistreat you as Christ would treat them. It adds one more level of confidence for the follower of Jesus. See, look, when we face that, God will reward us. He will reward us for suffering, for doing what is right. I don't believe Peter was telling us or them in the first century that they'll be rewarded and it will, it will happen right here on the planet. It doesn't necessarily mean that. There's sometimes we're going to see reward here on the planet. There's sometimes we're going to see blessing here today. But oftentimes our blessing is going to be in heaven. And think about the example of Jesus in dealing with the people that abused him and mistreated him in his day. Look, Jesus never stopped loving the people. The, the, the people that were beating him, the people that were hanging him on the cross, Jesus never stopped loving them. In fact, we know the words. As Jesus hung on the cross, he, he, he cried out to God and said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That is the very thing that every follower of Jesus should be doing. In fact, I believe that if Christ followers would love people and bless people no matter how they are treated, it would change the world. It would change workplaces. It'll change communities. It'll change the world. If followers of Jesus will love people no matter how people treat us, it will actually change the world. That's easy to say. It's much harder to do. That is the answer, though. The answer to the struggle of our world, the, the answer to the struggle for our community is to look at our city, to look at the people around us, to, to look at our coworkers, who at times can drive us nuts. Now, I'm not mine. I'm just talking about yours. Your, your coworkers drive you nuts. I'm not talking about my coworkers. Okay, come on. We got to clarify this. 
But there are times that you go through these things and you work with people and they can absolutely drive you bonkers. And the furthest thing from your mind is blessing them. But that's what Jesus wants us to do. Jesus wants us to bless those who mistreat us. He wants us to bless those who are mean to us. He he wants us to bless people and love people, irregardless of their behavior. That is what Jesus did for us. It's that unconditional love thing that Jesus has for people. And it's spelled out for us in Romans, while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we think of that, we think that we have to do what Jesus did. He did it for us. We need to do it for others. We, we need to try Peter's idea to treat people well and to bless them. Look, I, I, love, I love the song. In fact, it's one of the few times ever I've said things like, hey, I really hope you do this song today. And I wanted them to do No Longer Slaves. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. See, because so much of our lives gets ruled by fear. And, and, and that's what Peter was saying. Peter was saying, do not be afraid. What they can do to you isn't anything. It's, it's minimal what they can do to you. You have to understand that your, your residence is not this planet. Your future is in heaven because you are a child of God. They can, they can hurt your body. They can mistreat you here. They can be mean to you. They cannot take you out of the family of God. They can't do it. So no matter what they do to you, don't fear them. Because you're a child of God. And that's what we're trying to get across here. That's what Peter's trying to get across here. He's trying to get us to understand that, that, that everything has to be framed with this understanding of who Jesus is and who we are as his children and who we are as his followers. That there's nothing that can do us in except God himself. And we know God wouldn't do that. See, God is so loving and caring for us. He loves us and he's doing everything he can to help us. Now, are we going to go through difficulty? I'm afraid we are. But here's the promise of Jesus in Matthew 5.10. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. There's a promise in that. If we suffer for doing what is right, if we're persecuted for doing right, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. When we think of our brothers and sisters in other nations around the world that that are persecuted, we need to be praying for them, that God will strengthen them and help them in the midst of persecution because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They will experience it. They're going to have incredible blessing for what they're going through. We must recognize that as we are mistreated, God is going to bless us. Every time you're mistreated, I'm hopeful that you will remember this message and you'll go, thank you, Jesus, for your blessing. Not in the mistreatment, but what's going to come because of the mistreatment. See, the the, the mistreatment may not be a blessing, but what you receive is going to be. God is going to bless you. Now, let's be honest. From the scripture, we can also determine that it's possible that God is bringing the mistreatment or allowing the mistreatment into your life for your growth as a follower of Jesus. 
because there's places for us to learn and to grow. That's hard to swallow sometimes. We'd prefer to not have so much to learn and grow. We would prefer just to get it and not have to go through those things. But there's part of that. that God And, and God will, and it, it says, as we get to verse 17, we'll read it right now, but verses 15 through 17, and this is very important. In the midst of all of what you're going through, in the midst of all the suffering, in the midst of all this stuff, Peter writes, instead, okay, all of what you're going through, all that you're, you know, you're suffering for doing is right, you're, you're suffering all those things, instead, instead of focusing on all those things, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Can you just stop there for just a minute? Worship Christ as Lord of your life. Like, that's pretty hard. That's a statement of a song that we sing. That sometimes we lie as we sing it. I surrender all. Do we? Surrender all. Are we willing to worship Christ as Lord of our lives? Are we willing to submit everything to Him? Are we willing to submit our dreams, our hopes, our plans, our comforts, our mistreatment? Are we willing to submit everything to Him and go through everything and honor Him in the midst of it? Are we willing, when we're mistreated, to return blessing? Could we, in the midst of being mistreated, could we, like Jesus, pray, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I'd prefer to poke their eyes out. <laughs> but are we able to pray, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing? Are we able to bless them? Are we able to buy their lunch? Are we able to, to speak good of them, even though they speak bad of us? Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And worshiping Christ as Lord of your life takes place in all settings, not just Sunday mornings. It's everywhere. It's at the workplace. It's in the restaurant. It's in the neighborhood. It's in family gatherings. It's everywhere. Can we worship Christ as Lord of our life? Are we willing to just let go of everything that we have and give it to God and say, Lord, it's yours? My time, my talents, my energy, everything. And it goes on and says, and if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. Okay. I believe, without question, that if we will do what Peter is saying, if we will bless those who persecute us, we will be kind and loving to those who are not so to us, it will open up opportunities for us to communicate the message of Christ. And what you're doing by your actions is speaking the message and love of Christ before you ever use words. But by demonstrating that, that, that you can respond rightly, 
it opens up the opportunity for you to answer the questions they're going to ask you. Because if you can be so different than everyone else in the culture, if you can respond in ways that uh, the average person in America is not going to respond with, then you're going to display something that people are going to take note of. If Christians can be the nicest people on the planet, it will make a difference. Look, look, we all ought to be followers of Jesus, ought to be known as the nicest people in the world. And if we are, it will make a difference. In fact, if we're known for our love and our compassion, our blessing and our encouragement, even in the midst of persecution, if we'll be known for that, look, it is the greatest apologetic that exists. The life of the believer who reflects and radiates Christ in everything they do. If we do that, there are people that literally go, look, if people aren't asking you and having conversations with you about your life and what's going on and why you're this way or that way, or that way look, maybe you're not displaying enough of it. And we need to display more of it. Because people are going to ask questions. When you respond without fear in the midst of crazy moments in a, in a culture that's going crazy, when you respond with faith and trust and confidence, you're displaying something that others aren't going to display. People are going to ask you, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. How can you wa walk through those kind of things? How could you, how did you handle what that person did to you the other day? And you, you, you blessed them. You, you bought their lunch for them. You did this. How do you do that? And it's then you respond. Look, it's Christ working through me that makes all the difference. I had a conversation with with the, my nephew the other night and said, no, no, you, you misunderstand here. The reason I was able to get in front of people and start talking after flunking public speaking was not because of my sudden ability to get there. It was a result of Christ making a difference in my life. It had nothing to do with my ability. It had everything to do with God's ability and his work through me. So you have to give glory to God in those moments. And you take those moments and you capitalize them. Because God is giving you those times. And he's going to open those up for you. If you radiate Christ. If you reflect Christ. We know Ephesians tells us, be imitators of God. Well, that's exactly what we want. That's exactly what Peter's driving us toward. And as we imitate Christ, as we imitate God, we are going to get opportunities to share the message of Christ with people. It's just the way it is. It's what he's going to do in us and through us. But do it in a gentle and respectful way. Be kind, respectful, gentle questions to finish the day. Some things that we probably need to look at. How are you doing responding to people who mistreat you? Is your default response negative? Ask God to help you. If you want to poke eyes out, you might ask God to help you. If you want to knife tires, ask God to help you. Is your default response neutral? As in, I didn't return evil for evil. I guess that's good, but not good enough. Ask God to help you. 
because our response should be to bless those who mistreat us. That's the example of Jesus, and we're to follow it. Remember, God may allow you to be mistreated, you and I, to be mistreated for our growth as followers of Jesus. Another thing, how prepared are you to explain who Jesus is and what he's done? If somebody asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, how prepared are you? How ready are you for that conversation? How prepared are you? And I'm not saying you've got to be a theological scholar. I'm just saying how prepared are you? Can you tell your story of how you came to faith? Can, can you explain a few verses from the Bible to explain who Jesus is? Can you walk through a simple explanation of salvation, sort of like we did right before communion this morning? If you can't, you need to work that. You need to work on that. Because, because God is not going to give you opportunities that you can take advantage of because you're not prepared to do it. And I'm saying you need to prepare to do it. I'm saying you need to be prepared so that when you're doing the good that God wants you to do, when you're blessing those who are mistreating you and others are watching you, believe me, they are watching, people will ask you the question, and I'm trusting you're going to be prepared to answer. Just understand simple parts of the scriptures to explain Jesus' love and compassion for people. God promises he will bless you for enduring mistreatment. If not in this life, in the life to come. You have to be confident. Look at the end of the sermon I already told you from communion. We're on the side of the risen king, seated at the right hand of the Father. He was vindicated. He didn't have to do it himself. You won't either. Jesus working through you will show people who Christ is and will be an incredible vindication of your willingness to go through difficulty when you, show, you don't deserve it, but you do. And God is going to help you through that. And you'll eventually experience his blessing and his gift. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, I pray as we finish kind of up this, this whole thing about submission to authority and submission in the midst of mistreatment and, and blessing and loving and being compassionate to those who mistreat us. Lord, would you help us? Would you help us in the midst of a culture that is full of chaos and craziness to God respond in ways that we can just trust you? And Lord, even when we're mistreated, Lord, we will trust you and we'll leave all payment to you. Lord, that you will take care of those things. You will fight our battles for us. You will, you will respond for us. And Lord, we don't have to try and plead our case. 
can trust you and know that you are going to bless us. You are going to help us. You're going to reward us. Lord, we are thankful for that promise. And Lord, in the midst of everything we see, God, I'm praying for your help and the confidence that you can bring, the faith that we can have, that we, we, will, a, we will be able to say, it is well. Lord, thank you for all that you're doing.